Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. The minute Israel was attacked by Hamas uh, over the Gaza, I knew there would be questions. And as a pastor, even our other pastors, uh, we've been flooded with questions about what's going on. Is this the end of time? And it was literally last Sunday when I was home recovering, I felt like, hey, I need to deal with that this week. And I really wanted to um, deal with it in a proper way. And so instead of me just preaching a sermon, which would answer a small sliver of questions, I, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to do what I'm doing this morning. That is interview someone and get all the questions in. Now, here's what I'm doing this morning. I'm not answering, I'm not asking the questions I want the answer to. I'm trying to ask the questions that you want the answers to, questions you've sent me, questions I've heard about. So I pre-recorded this interview. There was no way to do it live. I pre-recorded this interview so that I could get in all the questions I wanted to get in. We could do it in that uh, time frame that we have for a Sunday morning service. So I'm not going to introduce Dr. David Allen. I'm actually having him do that on the video. And you may want to take notes. You may just want, a li- want to listen. We'll make this available online after this. If you want to share it or want to rewatch it again, it'll be there. What is the significance of what's going on in the Middle East right now, especially in light of prophetic events? I'm going to pray. And then I want, to watch you, I want you to watch this 30-minute interview I did with Dr. David Allen. Father, thank you that as Christians, we still live in a nation where we can worship you. We, we meet today, this very moment, may not be this way tomorrow, but this very moment, without the threat of war looming over our heads or death and destruction looming over our heads the way it does often uh, times in the Middle East. But Lord, we know there's a prophetic calendar. We know things every day we're closer to the end. And so, Lord, help us live in light of that. Paul told us to live in light of these things that the end is near and Jesus is coming. So help us to appropriate all of this into our lives. Speak to our hearts today at every campus, at Dalton, at Rossville, online, Rock Spring. There are people who need Jesus today. There, there, are, there are unintentional pretenders in our midst. They made a profession a long time ago, maybe, but they really don't know you as Savior And they sit where they are today, terrified somebody will find out. Lord, take away that fear. And I pray that you draw them to you today. There there are people in all of our venues today who are far from God and they know it. Use today to draw them to you. May we pay attention with the power of the Holy Spirit on us this morning. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Watch this. Well, Pivine, we are excited to bring this to you today. I think this is going to be really uh, not only just great information, we're going to share some things today that are just going to help you in your Christian life and help you understand uh, a biblical worldview when it comes to what's happening in the Middle East and how it affects us even here in America. So I'm excited about the conversation today that I'm going to have with Dr. Allen. And uh, so to start things off, Dr. Allen, why don't you introduce yourself? And tell us 
where you served in ministry and how you currently are serving in ministry. Well, thank you, Pastor Joel. It's certainly a privilege and joy to be with you today and to be with your church. And actually, I am from your area, at least near your area, because I was born and raised in Rome, Georgia. And so I know exactly where you are. We used to play a lot of the high schools up there in those towns uh, in baseball and football. And particularly, I used to play baseball. Well, remember that. But uh, I am currently serving as the Distinguished Professor of Preaching and Practical Theology at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, Previously, I served for 18 years as the Dean of the School of Theology and Dean of the School of Preaching at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, I've been a pastor of two churches for 21 years. I've done 14 interim pastorates. And uh, I was a student pastor in my early days when I was in college and seminary. Uh, live out in Dallas, Texas. I've been in Dallas since 1975, but uh, teach online predominantly for Mid-America Seminary and have an office up here and come up uh, about once every four or five weeks and spend a week up here uh, at the seminary. And so this is this is what I do. I also have a ministry called Preaching Coach. And I work with pastors uh, one-on-one in Zoom meetings and in larger groups, uh, dealing with them all things preaching, helping them in their preaching. And so it's been a wonderful joy to serve the Lord in these ways. Yeah, I often have somebody hand me, uh, text me one of your podcasts on preaching and say, say have you heard this? And I, yes, I'm a listener. I, I, I'm, I'm aware of it. So uh, you're one of us, Dr. Allen, here in Northwest yes. Georgia. You may be in Texas, but you're one of us. Right. And um, I, I'll tell the church how I came across, uh, how the Lord, of course, I knew Dr. Allen, but how the Lord brought him to my mind for this is I was actually reading some books uh, Sunday morning and ran across a book that Dr. Allen had written on the end times. And I thought the Lord just kind of brought it to my mind. Let's reach out and see if Dr. Allen can come and just do this interview this way. And we may explore doing some other things with him later on down the line. But we really want to jump into the subject because it's a Sunday morning and we know our time is limited. Well, just for me, maybe to set the situation, October 7th, Hamas attacked Israel. What I read was killed more Jews in one day, over 1,300 than any other day since the Holocaust. And it wasn't just the war. Uh, I think we can understand war casualties, but it was it was vicious deeds done by very, very evil men. Make no mistake about it. Hamas is evil and as evil as you can be. And so, I mean, we saw uh, confirmed babies shot and burned, elderly women kidnapped, entire families kidnapped. We have videos of Hamas operatives uh, taking women and children, according to them, to be raped. We know about the hostages. We're recording this in the middle of the week, so I know some of these numbers will change by the time this is shown on Sunday. But uh, to date, 27 Americans dead, more are missing. Just horrific. We're not going to get into the political ramifications of this. We're going to stay theological today. But but by nature, you have to deal with some of that. Just evil, evil, evil deeds by evil men. Well, it, 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 like nothing else in a while, it filtered over to America and 
Eight in 10 Americans fear, I saw a survey today on PBS, eight in 10 Americans fear war will break out in the Middle East altogether. But here's the thing that really I thought was interesting. Seven in 10 Americans are closely following the events in Israel and Gaza. Seven in 10, that is an enormous statistical number for something that, you know, is halfway around uh, the world. And that was true across all geographic gender, race, income, education, age, political affiliation. Everybody in America is following this around the clock. And it's brought a lot of anxiety. And for me as a pastor, it's brought a whole lot of questions about Israel, the end times, uh, the rapture. And so I thought, hey, let's take a few minutes, Dr. Allen, and talk about these. So I want to kind of guide the conversation. You're the expert and let, let's talk about some of these uh, so we understand where we are. Maybe we can start here. Can you give us a brief overview of Gaza, the Gaza Strip, the Palestinian relationship with Israel and Hamas to just kind of set the stage for some of our discussion? Yes, but let's go back to the book of Genesis to set that stage. Because in Genesis, God comes to Abraham and calls him out and says, I'm going to make you a great nation, even though you have no child but I'm going to do something wonderful. I'm going to bless all the world through you. And and God made some promises and made a covenant with Abraham. And of course, God's covenant was fulfilled through Isaac. But 25 years separated the origination of that promise originally in Genesis 12 and the fulfillment of that promise when Isaac was actually born. In between, Abraham got nervous. He wasn't sure God was going to be able to make this happen. And so Abraham, Sarah gave Abraham one of her maidservants, Hagar. He went into her. She conceived. They slept together. She conceived and had a son named Ishmael. So Ishmael is a son of Abraham and Sarah's maid uh, servant, Hagar. Well, then Sarah became pregnant and gave birth to Isaac and God's promise was the covenant would go through Isaac. And so Hagar and Ishmael were put aside, and yet God told Hagar that he would provide for her and for her son Ishmael and bless him and make him the father of great nations. And basically, the Arab people today, now not all of the Arab people today, but many of the Arab people today are a direct descendants of Ishmael. And so they have the Arabs and the Jews have the same father. Abraham is their father, but they have a different mother. And that's important to keep in mind and and to uh, understand. Now, among the Arab nations today, you have others who are descendants of Keturah from Genesis, another maidservant there. And Keturah had uh, children, had sons and daughters, and the part of the Arab world today relates there. Also, the descendants of Esau, and many of them, uh, their descendants over time, uh, populate the Arab nations as well. And so it's not true to say that all the descendants of Ishmael All Arabs are descendants of Ishmael. Many are, uh, but there are some that aren't. But that's important to get to, to understand. Now, that's the foundation of the hostility. It goes back to Genesis. So there's the foundation of the hostility. But so what happens is in 1948, Israel 
as a nation is reestablished or is established after 2,000 years of no nation. God's promises in the Old Testament that promised Israel would be regathered in the land were fulfilled after the Holocaust and World War II in 1948, in fact, May 14, 1948. Immediately, the day that was established, America acknowledged the new state of Israel, but every Arab nation attacked her that day, and there was war. But Israel prevailed and wasn't destroyed. And then in 1967, you have the famous Six-Day War. The Arab nations attack Israel again. Forty million Arabs attacked 800,000 Jews and lost. The Jews won that war. In fact, took back many, uh, took back territory, mm -hmm. took territory away from the Palestinians. Mm -hmm. Well, that angered them and made them so angry. Now, that leads us then to where we are today. The Gaza Strip geographically is located right there on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. If you look at a map of Israel, go to southern Israel, find the city of Beersheba, and look toward the west. And that strip of land there is the Gaza Strip, right there on the coast, coastland. It's 140 square miles. Now, what's interesting is that Israel, along with Palestinians, lived in that area until 2005. Now, here's what many people don't know. In 2005, the Israeli prime minister removed all Israeli citizens and all is Israeli soldiers out of the Gaza Strip and gave the Gaza Strip as a gift to the Palestinian people. And so from 2005 until today, no Israelis live in the Gaza Strip. It's all Palestinians given that land given to them by Israel, pulled their own people out. But Hamas, the terrorist organization, came in and infiltrated the Gaza Strip, built their bases there, dug their tunnels there. And of course, the Palestinians allowed it to happen. And now this terrorist organization backed by Iran, don't, mis don't mistake that, backed by Iran, this terrorist organization, uh, Hamas, has attacked the nation of Israel in a, as you said, horrendous way, murdering people, men, women, children, older women, uh, decapitating babies. I, 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 it, you hesitate to even talk too much about this in a public setting because the evil here is absolutely enormous. But that's the background of, of where we are and what has happened. Yeah, and these weren't war, war casualties. These were, this was murder. This was this murder. Was murder. This right. was terrorism, terrorist attack, murder by evil people making up Hamas. Uh, Israel had done nothing to provoke this. Nothing. And I am astounded at the stupidity of so many people around the world and in our own nation who are blaming Israel for this. Mm -hmm. It is incredible. By the way, there's a reason for that. And the reason is deception. These people are deceived by Satan himself. It's well, in me, the people who are defending them, Hamas would murder given the chance. It, exactly. it, makes, it makes no sense. It makes and, no sense at all. 
I know for an American, and then we'll move on after this. I know for an American, we, we kind of have this, you know, why can't we all just get along? You, you know, like surely nobody's just mean enough to start murdering people. And they really don't understand the Middle Eastern mindset when it comes to that, that Hamas lives for one reason, and that's to eradicate Israel. Correct. And, right. and so we, we, we don't understand that. We don't have anybody, the Hatfields and McCoys, we're not in the same league when we start talking about feuds right. over here no. as w- what they have there. No, the, uh, backed by uh, Iran, the Amullahs and the Iran want to bring, they, it's a, a matter of genocide for them. They mm-hmm. publicly state Israel should be wiped out, kill every Jew. Every it's Jew. unbelievable. It's Nazism in our century is what yeah, it, it is. And they can't and be reasoned people, with. No, they cannot be reasoned with. And 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 animals like that, people are who are so morally degenerate as to do what Hamas and Hezbollah and these terrorist organizations do. You can only deal with them in one way. You can't negotiate with them. You just have to kill them. There's no yep. way you've, you've got to stop them with force because there's yep. no other way to reason with people like that. Yeah. People who desperately need the gospel and we can't even get a border open to get the gospel into those areas. Right. As right. It exists. Right. Um, let's turn the conversation and let's start, start talking uh, theology, eschatology, those kind of things in times that that's where a lot of questions are coming. We understand what's happening, but is there a bigger picture? Uh, we're going to break this down over several uh, questions I want to ask you. But does a war in Israel, Dr. Allen, mean we're at the beginning of the end? Has the prophetic calendar just checked something really big, you know, this great big box off and said, oh, now once this happens, buckle up, it's all over? Possibly. But we can't know that for sure. And let me tell you why. Jesus said in the end times, there'll be war and rumors of war, nation against nation, rulers, people against people. But then he went on to say, but the end is not yet. Mm-hmm. And so the this may be the first uh, skirmish that leads to the big finale that's described in the book of Revelation. That's very possible. But we don't know that. Remember back uh, in the Second World War, when we, when the entire world was at war and and millions of people died and six million Jews were murdered. Uh, it, during that time, people said, oh, this is the end time. The Lord is coming. Well, we're nearly 100 years from that, from the beginning of that war, and the Lord has not come yet. And so Jesus warns us, be careful about date setting and clock watching and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. We have to be careful about saying, uh, answering that a firm yes. Yes, the end, the end is here. Jesus is coming at any moment. That could be, but it may not be. This, what's happening right now, it, there's no way to tell if this is the big, if this is the end. But here's what you can say. What's happening right now is uh, a part of what scripture says will happen. What's happening now is the kind of fulfillment of prophecy because the Old Testament prophets and the book of Revelation say that the nation of Israel is going to be persecuted in the end times. Mm-hmm. And she has been persecuted 
from the very beginning, even to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 by the Romans scattered around the world. She's been persecuted throughout that time. Look at her persecuted persecution during the Second World War with Nazism and all of that. Look at the anti-Semitism from that day until this day, a growing anti-Semitism, by the way, even mm-hmm. in our own country, which is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. All of this in one sense, is indeed a fulfillment of prophecy because both Old Testament scriptures and the book of Revelation says, don't be surprised, this is how people are going to treat Israel in the as we approach the end times. I, I love to read World War II history books, and I know me, if I'd been a preacher and a pastor in 1942, I would have been proclaiming the end of the world every Sunday. Right, right. It's hard to look at it. But now when we look back at that, what we can say is World War II had to happen so that 1948 could happen. Israel had to be regathered as a state. Right, right. Now, we didn't, it it took a while to see that. And that's why we're very myopic when we look at these things, I think, sometimes. And I I would agree with you. Uh, I think the war probably does move us closer. But is this the big one? We don't know. Like, is this the beginning of a series of dominoes that could fall? Unsure, right? Unsure. Now, that could be. But this itself, Hamas and Israel is not the big one because Revelation says the big one will involve other nations moving in on Israel in an attempt to destroy her. And they will come so close that God himself will intervene and Mm -hmm and destroy those nations, those those armies that are attacking Israel. And Israel at that point is going to, Jesus is going to come again. And Israel at that point will recognize Jesus as their Messiah. Mm -hmm. All of that is predicted in scripture. And so I don't, I don't think this issue with Hamas is that because what what is described as happening when Christ returns is a much bigger conflagration. But you are correct. This could be the precursor and the beginning and the first domino that leads to that. That's certainly possible. Here's a question. I think if you're my generation, we know the answer to this question, but is Israel ever going to have peace? I mean, I mean, it, it, you Not took it that, back to Genesis. I mean, right. right. So right. she has never had peace and she is never going to have peace until Jesus comes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's why we are commanded, by the way, in in the book of Psalms. Remember, in Psalm 122, verse six, we are commanded to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which mm-hmm. we should be doing now especially in this horrendous time, but Israel is never going to have peace as long as the Palestinian people and nations hate her and want her exterminated. She's certainly never going to experience peace uh, until the Lord comes, and then she will have peace, because I believe Scripture teaches that Jesus will literally return to the earth and reign in Jerusalem. 
Mm-hmm. And I also believe that that rain will be a literal 1,000-year rain. I am a premillennialist in terms of eschatology, and I believe that Jesus is coming. He will establish that 1,000-year rain. But prior to that, there'll be seven years of tribulation on this face of this earth, and there'll be great, many will die, uh, and there'll be the rise of the Antichrist who will hate Israel. Let me suggest to your people that after church today, uh, they go home and read Revelation chapter 12. That will be a big help to them in all of this situation. Because in Revelation 12, John, Jesus explains to John, or John is, it's revealed to John that there are three things or three people. There is a dragon who is Satan. There is a woman who is Israel, and there's a man-child born who is Jesus, and the dragon will persecute the nation of Israel, leading to the end times where that persecution will be so severe, the Antichrist will be his prime mover, but Jesus will come and essentially protect and save the people of Israel. I believe that's all literal. I don't think that's symbolic or figurative. I think God's still has a plan for the nation of Israel, and I believe the second coming of Jesus at that time, all Israel will be saved, as Romans eleven twenty five says, the nation of Israel will see their Messiah, and they will believe in Jesus. Yeah, Romans 11, Paul laid out pretty plainly, God has a plan for Israel. Right. You know, God has not given up on Israel. And and really, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong here, I'm no eschatological expert, but the the big thing is not a war. The thing that will kick off seven years tribulations, a peace treaty, not a war. But yep. but we're moving. I, I think in order to get to that point, at, which obviously we know where we are, then you're going to see m- more and more war happening in Israel. I think we'll see the escalation of war happening in Israel. This is wow. not going away. Who are some of the players? I've had people asking me about Gog and Magog, and I know that's a totally separate subject. Yeah. But as you see it biblically, who are some of the players that you in the future anticipate coming against Israel besides Hamas and the Palestinians there in the Gaza Strip? Well, uh, uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39 are the two chapters that talk about this unusual named uh, nations called Gog and Magog. Now, Nobody knows for sure who they are, but they are described geographically as coming from the north to mm-hmm. Israel. Now, if you if you go to take Jerusalem and go due north, you're going to go you're going to ultimately come to Russia. And many Bible scholars have identified Gog and Magog with Russia. That's possible. It's not a. It's not in the bag. It's not for sure. Uh, we can't know that for sure. We shouldn't be dogmatic about it. But, you know, I find it very interesting that for years, hundreds of years, Russia and Iran have had no dealings with each other until now. And Russia and Iran have developed uh, something mm-hmm. of a partnership. Now, mm-hmm. Modern-day Iran is ancient Persia, and the Old Testament prophets talk about, and Persia is somewhat to the north of Israel as well. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of a confederation of nations perhaps coming from the north, I mean, who knows? That could be 
Iran uh, combined with Russia and perhaps some others uh, that would wind up fulfilling what is said in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Now, we need to be careful about being dogmatic about all of that. But clearly, Scripture says something worldwide is ultimately going to happen right there uh, concerning the nation of Israel. And it's very clear the book of Revelation and many of those Old Testament prophecies about what will occur has never occurred in history. In all the battles, all the wars, they've not been fulfilled in the past. So there's still a future fulfillment of all of these things. And that's why people, I think, eight out of 10, seven out of 10 Americans or people are interested in what's happening because there's enough residual knowledge of the Bible that people wonder, well, is Israel the key to the end times? In many ways, yes. She she is, right? She is. And therefore, I think that's why people are interested and why so many are concerned and nervous uh, about it. And they should be interested. But we need to be careful about being dogmatic that this equals that. You know, this means Jesus coming today. No, let's be careful about making those kinds of statements. Well, and I said uh, about the Russian-Ukrainian war, the worst thing that may come from that is that we drive Russia into a partnership with Iran and China, which yeah. which sets things up right. for Ezekiel 38, like you said earlier. Exactly. You know, again, not dogmatic, but, eh, yeah. you, you know. Uh, Listen, Israel, yeah, Israel uh, is an amazing country with an amazing military. But let's face it, if China, Russia, uh, and Iran and maybe some other nations partner and all at once attack Israel, it's going to be tough mm-hmm. for Israel to defeat that then. They they really wouldn't physically be able to do that apart from God's intervention. And it appears uh, that Scripture says that's exactly what will happen, that yep. somebody is going to attack them big time and and they'll be on the ropes and suddenly the lord appears the lord comes again and israel recognizes jesus as the messiah and you've got this thing called the battle of armageddon which occurs right there in the land of in the land of israel yep so kind of to wrap things up uh, apart from the lord let me let me say that apart from the lord the only barrier to all of those nations descending on israel is the United States of America by and large. They're they're not afraid of Israel as much as they're afraid of us at this point. Right. Why is it important for Christians and the church and America to stand with Israel so passionately? Why, why, if we're going to take a side, why is it important for us to come down on Israel's side? Well, there are three reasons. Number one is just the moral reason, just a pure moral reason. If, if you have terrorists like Hamas do the things they've done to Israel, that's a clear issue of moral decadence and evil of in the first degree. And nations should be willing to stand with Israel for that reason against that kind of moral decadence. Take all the political stuff and whether there should be a two-state solution and all of that. Take that off the table. But there's reason number one. Reason number two, and especially for America to support Israel, is because we are political allies with the nation of Israel. 
regardless of one's views of Israel and the end times. And there are many Christians today who believe that the church has superseded Israel, and there are no prophecies uh, that would be interpreted literally of Israel's future. I think those people are dead wrong. But nevertheless, you've got a lot of people that way, and they just view Israel as a nation uh, that has no special place in biblical prophecy. I find that uh, problematic. I think it's, in fact, I find it clearly wrong, personally, uh, because Scripture seems so clear in the Old and New Testament that Israel is going to play mm-hmm. a big role in the in the end times. But America should support Israel, secondly, for a political reason, because she is an ally. She's a political ally. But number three, I think Christians should support Israel, even though don't equate the nation of Israel with God's people in the sense of of their saved, because they're not. The vast majority of Israel uh, are not even Orthodox Jews. Many in Israel are atheists. People don't realize this. Mm -hmm. Uh, The majority of people in Israel as a nation are not really religious. Mm -hmm. Uh, People don't know that. People don't realize that. Uh, but the 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 Israel nationally, God has made promises to her that it appears he's going to fulfill in the end times. And for that reason, especially Christians in America and around the world should be supportive of Israel. Now, listen carefully. That doesn't mean that everything the state of Israel does today is good. It doesn't mean that right. everything they do, every decision they make right. is holy and righteous. Oh, no, it's it doesn't not. mean that at all, because it's not. But it just means that the bigger picture indicates from Scripture that Israel is the key to it all in the end times. And God still has a plan and a purpose for the nation of Israel, and therefore Christians should support her. Yep, for sure. For sure. All right, so we need to wind down two more minutes. I'm going to ask you two questions. Give me a minute on both. Okay. For for the Christian, now what? what does a Christian do based on what's happening and what we've talked about? Well, number one, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, That's the first scripture says to do that. Number two, pray for the salvation of those uh, Israelis who are unbelievers, which is the majority. And for the Palestinians who are unbelievers, which would be the majority, pray for their salvation. That's the second thing we need to do. Uh, Number three, we need to do what Jesus said in Luke 21, 28. When you see these things happening, uh, look up, lift up your head for your redemption draws nigh. Christians need to realize, look, we've seen the, we've done it. We've taken a peek at the last page and Mm -hmm. we know what happens. We know that Jesus will reign and will conquer. Therefore, we don't need to be afraid. And that's the fourth thing. Don't fear. I mean, what even if you even if we lose our life, let's say that happens, we're just going to heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't be afraid. Let's not be afraid and fearful. No, this is a time to trust God. This is a time to entrench yourself in God. And we need to do that and 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 walk with him and trust him. Walk with God in prayer, pray for the nation of Israel yep. as well as the Palestinian people. As you said, a great time to entrench yourself with the Lord. If you were going to get close to the Lord, now's a good time to do it. Now's right? time to do it. Uh, one minute. If you're an unbeliever, doubting your salvation, unsure of your salvation, now what? 
that you better get saved. You better become a Christian and follow Christ. Scripture says today is a day of salvation. Repent and believe in Jesus. And that should be true no matter what's happening in Israel because you have no no promise from God that you'll be alive in 24 hours. And therefore, you must believe in Christ now. And I call you, come to Christ, follow Jesus, believe in him. And yes, if you're afraid about the end times, that can be a motivation. But even if you're not worried or afraid of the end times, the fact is you better be afraid of God's judgment on your life in, in hell for with an eternal separation from God because you refused the salvation offered by his son, Jesus, who died on the cross for your sins. And so if you're an unbeliever, unsure of your salvation, if you're an unbeliever, you better become a believer in Christ. If you're not sure of your salvation, make sure today, settle it. Ask God to save you and trust his word that he saves all who call upon the name of Jesus. Dr. Allen, great word. Thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for this honor and opportunity. Well, would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes, no matter where you may be, no matter what campus or online, wherever you may be. If you're in a room somewhere, would you put your connection card in your hand this morning? If you don't have one, just ask for one down the right of your row, but make sure you have that connection card. Dr. Allen and I ended it as well as I knew how to end it. If you're not sure you need to be sure today are we on the last page i don't know we could be on the next to last page i'll be honest i got up this morning just to read the news uh, in preparation for this just to see where we are and it seems like every article that comes out every story that comes out it's pushing us closer to the beginning of the end and you need to be ready you say well is Is that a good reason to get saved? Well, I'll tell you this. When I was saved at 12 years old, it was was anxiety about the return of Christ that got my attention. The Holy Spirit used that in my life to bring me under conviction and to lead me to Jesus. And that could be you today. I don't care if you're a church member. I don't care if you come to church. I don't care if you serve in church. I don't care if it's your first time here. The question is, wherever you may be, Rock Spring, Dalton, Rossville, online. The question is, do you know that if this was it? Do you know that if this was it for you today, do you know where you'll spend eternity? That anxiety you feel in your heart may not just be anxiety. It may be the Holy Spirit of God trying to draw you to Jesus this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you'd like to become a Christian today, you'd like to know for sure, know for sure when you leave this building, know for sure you're saved. It's as simple as ABC. A, you admit you're a sinner and can't save yourself. The Bible says for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, there's no one perfect. You can't earn your way to heaven, work your way to heaven, buy your way to heaven, do good your way to heaven. You are a sinner. You've got to admit, I can't get there on my own. So how do I get there? B, You've got to believe Christ died on the cross for your sin and rose three days later. That's the gospel story. It's non-negotiable. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's not a good way to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. So A, you've got to admit you're a sinner, can't save myself. B, you've got to believe Christ did all the work on the cross and in an empty tomb, but you're not saved yet. C, 
says you have to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, Romans 10, 13, if you call on the name of the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you will be saved. A, B, C, admit, believe, confess. Have you done that? Do you know for sure? Do you know for sure? Can you lay your head down on your pillow at night and not have the anxiety of eternity in your heart? If not, you need to be saved today. Today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, wherever you are. If you'd like to be saved, it's not a prayer that saves you, but it's the giving of your heart and life to Jesus. If you'd like to do that today, I'll help you pray. You may not know how. I've been in church all my life and didn't know how to pray to be saved. You can say something like this, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I can't save myself, but I believe that Christ died on the cross for my sin. He rose again three days later. And just now I invite Christ into my life to save me, forgive me of my sin, give me a home in heaven. I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Now if you're watching online, run to the comment box, raise your hand, let us know that you trusted Jesus. But if you're in a room somewhere, here's what I want you to do. Would you take out a pencil or a pen and on that card that you have in your hand, it has a place to check, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Would you check that card? We're, we're not going to embarrass you. We're going we're gonna to send you some stuff in the mail. We're going to tell you what to do next. We'll reach out in the next week or two, but just check that card. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something bolder. Wherever you are, would you stand with me across the room, heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around at all of our venues. Stand with me real quickly, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you just prayed to receive Jesus, there are pastors up front, and you need to come tell a pastor. You need to just bring your connection card, come tell a pastor, hand them that card and said, I prayed to receive Jesus. You say, why do I have to do that? You're not doing that for us. You're doing that for you because if you don't do that, you'll leave whatever building you're in. You'll go home and if you wonder if you really meant what you did this morning, did you really mean it? If you did, all I'm asking you to do, come tell a pastor, I prayed to receive, here's all they're going to do. Nobody's looking but me and these guys up front. They're going to pray with you, celebrate with you, and let you go right back and sit down. That's it. But you need to do it for you today. Father, I pray you draw us with your spirit this morning. As the word of God, this, just this interview spoke to our hearts today. Use the Holy Spirit to draw us to you in Christ's name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Josh, you sing. You have a decision to make. Maybe you want to join our church or be baptized. Come tell a pastor that. You come just now. Heads are bowed. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.